you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Our guest today on ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski is Alan Wilder. Ellen is a Joseph Jefferson Award-nominated ensemble member at Chicago's Steppenwolf Theater, and he's appeared in over 60 Steppenwolf productions all over the world. He's also appeared on numerous shows on NBC, CBS, HBO, and Fox. Alan's hilarious and smart and wise and honest. We chatted in Chicago at Steppenwolf's rehearsal space. Located alongside Chicago's L-Tracks at Halsted and North, you're going to hear some trains going by. We had a blast and could have talked for a long time. Uh, we did. Enjoy, and I'll catch you on the other side. Okay. And, uh, and uh, so and, and the background we hear, we're hearing the train go. The by. train is okay. Yeah, the train's okay. The twist uh, the train. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's part of the, part of what we're doing. <clears throat> the train. Good. Um, when I when I have people, uh, this is working out. When I when I before I like I'll do a little bit of research and I'll find out what it is. That, you know, like what, what, what you've done and all that, and I know what you've done, and I've worked with you um, before. But then there's this thing where I step back and I go, "What is it when I think about this person? What is it that mind? What what is it that that uh, that stands out?" And for me, and it's always stood out to me, is is this how like it, you work so much, and it seems like. You you've discovered your you've discovered. Do you? Here's my question. Do you think that you know what you're gonna do when you grow up? Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I I don't. You don't. I never have. Uh huh. And I just lucked into a bunch of friends who probably didn't really know what they were. We none of us wanted to grow up. But so do, have a theater company. But do you feel like right now? Do you <coughs> feel like right now you, you've grown up? No, I think I'm regressing. Progressing or re- Re- regressing, <laughs> regressing, definitely <laughs> regressing. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and and then then it's the uh, I, I feel like I passed the point where I was grown up and and mature and, and accomplished and had power over. I never wanted to have power over vast numbers of people, like being a politician or a, you know CEO or or king or anything. But <laughs> I think it might be too late to be a king. <laughs> I would say it might be late. I mean, you know, you know what, no, I'm hey, trying to be you know, an optimist, okay, Dave? I'm trying to be an optimist. Look at me. Look at I'm going to find a very small country, maybe a block long. Maybe I can still be a king. But, uh, but uh, a king in my own household? No, 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 no that's no, not going to. No. So, I, yeah, I, was, I think I was getting near tears saying it last night when I got upset about a bunch of things crashing in, and I'm worried about learning the lines for this play, which are not in, in an enormous number of How many people against? Words. Five. Uh-huh. <coughs> and it's... I wish it wasn't getting so. Uh, it's kind of what you call an ensemble piece because it's not like you know one person just you know appears for one scene and has three lines or anything. It's you know we're sort of equal, uh, equal line load and equal importance in the in the story. But um, I, you know, more and more you just become kind of concerned about you know how much I can swallow. So how much you can swallow? What does that mean? Like how much <clears throat> how much mental capacity you're able to have? How much to you memorize. can really drill things? Here's what I compare it to. Way back early in the th- in Steppenwolf's history, John Malkovich, who was, was nuts for Harold Pinter, said, we're going to do The Caretaker. And I, <clears throat> the first time around up in Highland Park, I, I said, okay, I am not going to go through, and I knew I was more agile mentally anyway, and I, and I could really absorb and, and drill and really get solid on lines. But I thought I'm not. I don't want to go through the period in, in rehearsal where I just kind of struggle, and you kind of drop out of character, and you're lying, 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 calling for lines constantly. So I, <clears throat> I had a, a job, the little goy boy driving, the children to Solomon Schechter schools, you know, and Hebrew and, Day. Uh, it's called it Hebrew Schechter. schools. Hebrew, what's it called? Hebrew Day School. Hebrew Day School. Yeah. And uh, because I'm a, I'm a, I wanted to have either factory jobs or driving jobs so you can learn lines while you do that stuff because you have a routine. That, or, you know, you're driv- driving a route and you can just, you know, I get some lines in my head, you know, look at a page maybe and, you know, and drill it. And uh, and it doesn't involve, you know, talking to customers or waiting tables. Right. So, okay. Any kind of mental thing. And I went and so that was good while I was driving or when I wasn't driving. As soon as I got the kids to the schools, I would lie down and I would really, really repeat things until I was so sick of it so there's no way in hell like you know 
your name and your address and the phone numbers you've had. I said, it's so solid, so rote. And I, and I, everything after that I compared to that and I thought, if I can spend that kind of time or uh, at least pick up things quicker without that kind of time, then that's great. But I, I really agonize. I'm not as bad as some people in the theater company. As you get older, you know, you think, am I going into dementia? Well, you know, our brains just don't remember as much. You know, short-term memory becomes. So, but uh, it's not agony, but I, I concern myself a little bit w with it. So, um it's the the kind of show that um, we have equal equal things to do, and it's been satisfying rehearsals so far. But um, so when you did when you did <coughs> when you did the the Pinter thing, yeah, uh, what was it? Which it was one? the caretaker. The caretaker. So when you did the caretaker, three hander. You oh, it's a three hander. And I and it's three acts, and I'm talking almost all the time, and I'm this old guy. And it's and it's Cockney, and I and I love doing dialects, and that actually helps me learn lines to do dialects. I'm I'm sounding like a New Yorker in this thing because he's a, he's kind of a simple blue collar. Uh, his name's Abe. He's probably a Brooklyn Jew, right? And he has you know what do you think about that? You know I, oh, I you know and but but uh, with with Pinter, you know it was um, it actually helped me because I've really been so nuts since kindergarten mimicking people's the way people sound mm -hmm. and and doing impersonations that were you, slayed were, my were dad you, did you have do you have siblings <clears throat> i have a younger sister younger sister and when you were growing up and and discovered that you really had a, a love for that mm -hmm. um um did you find yourself by yourself doing those things mm -hmm. or with groups of people doing that uh, talking to myself talking to yourself <clears throat> I well, it would be with groups of people sometimes. You know, being a baby boomer, my dad served in World War II, and I loved espionage movies and and you know cowboy and war movies and stuff. And so I had a gang of idiot friends, and we'd run around the neighborhood, and in Chicago, right? In, in out in the suburbs, mm -hmm. northwest suburbs. That's right. And and I had an an arsenal of. I mean, these days I'm anti proliferation of guns and I'm rather liberal in my politics when I get serious but I do know a lot about firearms and stuff and so I'd have all these toy guns and I'd supply all the kids and, the, and we were running around being you know You're an arms dealer our, I'm an arms dealer there's a microphone here and I just said microphone too loud in the microphone <clears throat> but um, uh, yeah, yeah I mean I was just it was just uh, my imagination that you know sort of led to being an actor and I was a mimic and I early on could uh, I, I just found that I could sort of fake a, fake languages you know right make sounds that sounded like it was French or sounded like it was an Asian language or, or like a or Russian or whatever yeah and that's fake Russian. I, I, I do speak some Russian, but I find that with Russian, <clears throat> it sounds like English backwards. Yes, sort of. It's sort of like you take yeah. a record and play it the Beatles Back, backwards, right, exactly. and, and that's Russian. Right, right, yeah, I married right. Paul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reason I asked about the reason I asked about were you by yourself when you did that? Uh, certainly, when you when you found the joy of doing that, is I found. I was grounded so much as a kid. My folks grounded me. I got into a shitload of trouble. trouble. I just got a shitload of trouble, and they just they grounded me all the time. <clears throat> and um, so you spent time on your own. I spent time on my own at my house, and I found I found that those were the times. Looking back on it, those were the times that really honed me in on imagination, mm -hmm. appreciation for, for music, because I would sit with headphones on and listen to uh, Rhapsody in Blue or Rachmaninoff's Oh, I love listening to classical music, You know, listening to classical jazz. music. At, as a kid, just sit alone and do that. And I find that that has always, that's also helped me in this. I travel around the world by myself. You know, for the most part, I am alone. And... I think that when I was a younger kid and I was alone so much, I learned to love myself mm -hmm. and to be and and to make it so that I am my own best friend. And it takes a long fucking time to do that. But yeah. when you realize that I'm good at this, whatever it was, um, I'm good at this. I like doing this. I like who I am. That makes the travel easier. That also makes um, you the, the times that you're by yourself easier and the times that you're studying 
the times that you're studying, whether you're studying your lines or you're coming up with something to write or something like that, those solitary times, if you <coughs> like yourself and you're happy with what it is that you're doing, those are the creative, the absolute creative pockets mm -hmm. that, that give us self-esteem. Yes. I think so. I mean, I, I was kind of picked on as a little guy, you know, you get bullied and I wasn't as athletic. I was never, you know, uh, competitive in sports and, you know, big and strong and this and that. So, you know, you go into your imagination and you spend time alone. And uh, and I also, I uh, when I'd watch movies, you know, it actually, you know, either be action things that I thought could, you know, I'd be Walter Mitty and think, oh, could I be? And my dad, I mean, he was in Walter Mitty too. He wanted to be a fighter pilot in World War II. He ended up being a radio operator on a bomber because his eyesight wasn't quite good enough. But, um, um, let's just take a moment there. He was, <coughs> what kind of bomber? Do you know what plane? B-24 Liberator. Right. Yeah. So he was on a B-24 Liberator. He was in the back. He really wasn't seeing what was going on. He was towards the front. I think he would have been oh, the yeah. third guy to take over the, the control. He okay, could fly so the plane if he had to. Got it. If the what a frightening fucking thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. A really frightening thing. And I forgot what it was. Was it, uh, was it uh, Private Ryan or was it um, a Band of Brothers mm -hmm. where they really showed what it was like? The to most be realistic in things we've done, yeah. The, and in, in film. In, absolutely. And to <clears throat> sit there and to go, the radio guy or the, the bombardier in the bottom of the plane, you know, and that mm -hmm. little ball or in the back of the plane. Yeah, the, the ball turret gunner. The, yeah, right, yeah. right. Uh, tail gunner or whatever yeah, it would be. Yeah. And to look at that and go, oh man, oh man, plane's going down. Yeah, yeah. Or oh man, they just shot a wing off. And to watch all that going, these guys are 20 years old, they're 21 years old, they're 22 yeah, they're years old. They train them, but then the thing is, you still don't have enough life experience and you think you have your whole life. But, but you have your life, your whole life in front of you and you'd think, well, you'd be really scared of, a lot of them were, but then a lot of them had that, uh, which is why my dad started out wanting to be a fighter pilot. I'm going to live forever. I'm young. I'm, I'm vital. I've had the exercise. The other guy's going to go. Yeah, somebody else. Oh, yeah, so many those stories. And, and <clears throat> watching Saving Private Ryan, that first thing where they're coming on to Normandy and they're coming off the ships and you're going, you know, one guy goes, hey, and looks up and it's like, right in the neck. Yeah. He gets in that and you go, oh, that would be me. That would yeah. be me. I want to go back to the, the Walter Mitty thing because you are talking about your dad with that. All those things, for me, those moments where I felt like being the only, being a Jew in a Catholic neighborhood mm -hmm. or being subject to uh, anti-Semitism or bullying, yeah. growing up like that. Yeah. Looking back on that, I have to say, that helped me find my voice. I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, whatever, you know, like whatever doesn't kill you will make you stronger and, type of thing. And, but it's not in, a, in the sense of rejection. <clears throat> it's a sense of this is the way that the universe sees me. Um, not, you know, I don't see myself necessarily as that, but I know what it feels like to be bullied. I mm -hmm. know what it feels like to have, 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 there's something about empathy and sympathy and all that when you're going through that as well. It's like, how come I feel so sad about this? Oh, uh, uh, to be that guy that is being bullied and then because I, I feel like I know what it's like to play lower status. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to play higher status mm -hmm. because I was playing lower status. I know what it's like to be, um, to, to, there's something about accepting, accepting this is who it is that I am. I'm never going to be the star quarterback. Yeah. I'm never going to be on the fucking team. And to accept that. <clears throat> and I think if you get to, uh, it, we as performers, if you get to play somebody who's strong, you have, you learn the humility of being the weak so that you can be, if you get a chance to be somebody, you know, and you and I are not going to play the, you know, Mark Wahlberg or the, or the you know, we're not, Matt, we're, no. Matt Damon characters. No. But if we had something that was, that was, you know, if we had, I don't know, Albert Einstein or somebody who was a, 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 a great artist or some kind of a thing and, and had power over people or, or, or was respected as being somebody who was really, really, uh, what, what did you just call it, uh, the higher... A high status, low high status. High status. <clears throat> um, then you embody that high status or more powerful, stronger character with the compassion that you learn for be by being having been on the bottom, having been in lower status, that, I feel yeah. The word compassion <clears throat> is just is so important in the work that we do. Yeah, I think it's really important in the work that we do. Yeah, feeling other people, listening, you know, and 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 absorbing, having empathy. Yeah, it's it's so important. Do you, when in your in in your work because 
you, you, you asked me about high status, low status. Do you ever talk about status? You must talk about status in the work that you do. In doing. the company or in, or in, scenes in, in that a you're show? Doing in shows or do you think about that? Or I'll, I've thought about it an awful lot because I think, okay, you know, the reason when we were at Illinois State University that the, the gang of us that talked about getting this together and that finally it boiled down to nine of us and then we asked some people and they didn't come until later like Tom Irwin and Rondi Reed and Francis Guinan and so there's about 15 of us that, that went to school together um, you know I knew that the way I fit in and this this leads easily to something I was going to say before I segued away from it but when I wasn't being the action hero the you know enjoying the the melodramas of of adventure and violence and so forth like that and developing my imagination that way I also watched I love being funny and I love being class clown and I love those guys like I wish I could remember it was the guy on Sid Caesar who was kind of smallish, Howie. Somebody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there was he Artie played, Johnson on the. But on he Latin. played Ernest T. Bass in uh, uh, he um, Howard 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 Howard. Yeah. You know what I'm I talking can't about? Think of, I think we're on the same page. Oh, it, 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 because he was he was uh, he was always exactly. sort of climbing yeah, all yeah. over he played, Sid Caesar because he was a little guy. Yeah. And, and I and I thought I related to those guys. I want to be the guy that comes in and steals the scene. You know, I mean, maybe he's not the lead, maybe he's not the star, maybe he's not the powerful guy. You know, uh, but he's the guy that. Oh my God, that little guy was funny. You know, I mean, Artie Johnson and you know the Harpo Marks and the and and you know and uh, I'm trying to think of there was some other uh, and so so there were those two sides of wanting to perform, but also being. I mean, when they put me in a speech class in high school, everybody had to do some kind of a thing at some point. Of, you write some kind of material, and then you present it to the class. I was terrified. I hated the idea of just being, I'm going to talk about something that I researched, and, I, and, it was, uh, and it was horrifying. But if I could be in the back of the room levitating out of my desk mysteriously and, and speaking German, and being uh, doing some mockery of a Nazi character I'd seen in a movie to make this pretty blonde girl, oh, you seem to be German because she was, you know, and I had a crush on her. That was cool, you know, sort of the it's sort of the insurgent comedian, not the okay. Now you have the floor. And one time in in, a, in sixth grade class, I was cutting up in the back of the room, probably to try to impress two pretty girls and, and hope that they would like me because I made them laugh. And uh, and we were had music section of the uh, of the class, you know the Do usual you play teacher. Instrument? No, I well I, I wish I did. No, I, I took piano lessons for three years and mm -hmm. then I got it. bored with it. I think I had kind of one of those lame teachers that I wish I had. I was I think uh, I was saying to my wife not too long ago. Okay, when I took piano lessons, I should have had a great blind black jazz musician as my teacher. Not this candy-ass Mrs. Kelly. Wait, was that uh, what, da, what was her Yes. I got so bored with it, and I thought, you know, I want to play like Van Clyburn next week. <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. you know. Right. Uh, and Fats Waller. Oscar. And, yeah, and yeah, Fats right. Waller. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and you know. Thelonious Monk. And, yes. And, and, and uh, you, give, it, give it to me now. Let me. <laughs> so you know. you're in the back of the class. You're in sixth grade. So I'm in the back of the class, right. and I'm cutting up, and uh, and the usual teacher there that was covering the other subjects left, and now we're going to have music scenes. So the other lady, Mrs. Smith leaves, and I'm just making up names, but and then Mrs. Jones comes in and she sits at the piano. We're gonna sing some songs, and I was cutting up in the back of the room. She started to notice it because I'm, you know, bothering her, and the kids are laughing. Some kids towards the back, and say, "Oh, okay, Alan, why don't you come up to the front?" And you know, thinking she was gonna shame me and shut me the hell up, I get up there and I did stand up for about ten minutes, and it was idiotic stuff. It made no sense whatsoever. But the kids, because you know, it was it was an insurgency. It was rebellion. Uh, you know, and I might have been funny to some, but mainly it was because, you know, I, you know, hey, to was the that, system. Do, do you feel that that was a seminal part in, where you realized in that moment that that's what I wanted to do? You know what I mean? One of them, maybe not the turning point. Isn't there, I think that we all have those moments where we say, where, where it's, um, and I was thinking about it like this. The tip of the iceberg has an iceberg underneath it. So what that which we see above is what was shoved up. You know, so one day we pop out. Yeah, the rest of the iceberg. Go, and we go, wait a minute. I mean, I, th I think that, that, just, that just 
that tickled me in a way or that affected me in a way that nothing else have, has ever affected me before mm-hmm. and I want to feel that again. Yes. How do I get to feel that again? It, and I think that when you have those moments where you go, I want to feel that again, we got we got to work on those moments. We got yeah. we got to recognize those moments, engage in those moments and say, I want to feel that again. And and your little I thought uh, what makes me you say that makes me think also you kind of worry about ruining it if you plan it too much you know you because it sort of happened magically and out of the and out of nowhere and so you think well uh, yeah you think I it happened ma- to it. you think it happened magically and out of nowhere but it didn't and that's why the iceberg is the but then you have to start a could cre- uh, examine it and see if you can recapture it by finding some kind of a method or the right uh, the is right it recapturing it or is it the seeds is it reca- I don't know that it's recapturing <clears throat> I think that at first you think you want to recapture it and then I think after that what it what it is is how can I make that happen again not a recapturing do you understand how can that I- you move on not exactly beating the same thing exactly yeah, Be, yeah. you know that same thing going yeah. yeah I got that I understand and when you're young you'll, you'll do one thing and you'll go oh maybe that's the thing that I'm gonna do and he's like no and then you get distracted not because not because you can't do it but because it doesn't interest you do you understand yeah. like there's yeah. certain things that I'm sure piano where you went I'm I'm gonna play this and after a while you got distracted for me it was guitar yeah um, my dad and mom were one of the first people to, to to students at the Old Town School of Folk Music, oh. which was over at Cedric and North, right, right. around the corner, right, right down here. And now there's a 7-Eleven over there. And oh. they were the first students there. And I remember in fourth grade, my dad went, you know, because I was studying, I think fourth or fifth grade, he said, you know, I'm spending $6 an hour on a guitar teacher for you. Either you play guitar or you do theater. And I remember that as clear as day, because I was also doing really? theater at that time. And oh. at that moment I went, theater. We have choice. Because so you did have that moment of I had that making moment. a decision. I also remember, changing. but there are there was another time where I remember I made my aunt Jeanette laugh, and she went, "You should be a comedian." And I think I was, I think I was probably ten. Uh huh. And I went, and I will never forget that. I will never forget my aunt Jeanette saying that to me. Yeah. Do you have those moments? You must have those moments. I ha- I have had in the past. I mean, another one that that strikes me way back in elementary school was that they, you know, uh, the lily white, you know, Catholic and Protestant Christian uh, northwest suburbs of, of Chicago. We would do the do the twelve days of Christmas. You know, I don't know what we were, maybe fourth, fifth grade or something like that. Uh, and and so we all got up on a stage and the, and you know again that was uh, was I going to be really nervous about this or was I going to find the thing that I find when I'm in class and I shouldn't be cutting up. Now those are two things that you thought of before you got up and did the twelve days. This is oh, yes. I mean I, I, I thought, I'm nervous. Had. Right. I'm terrified about a formal kind of situation of being thrust. Although I, I did pull off the thing with the music teacher, but um, uh, so I. You know, it, it sort of had to sneak in the back door. So they, they, um, so we were lined up, and we represent. You know, as you go through the song, and I was uh, geese laying. Mm-hmm. So they gave, gave out a football and covered it with white paper. And and I'm a boy, but I'm sitting and laying an egg, and and okay, that could be funny enough for a bunch of parents of you know, here's our third graders, whatever the hell we were. And, uh, but the thing is, I would do bits where I never stayed on the ball. When it got to my part of the thing, I was falling off of it. So I was getting extra laughs and being a little disruptive. It's the, you know, it's, again, it's the, uh, it's like the Marx Brothers. They were always you know, taking subversive. the stuffed shirts and they're subversives. They're going to, you know. I've really been thinking about that word subversive because I think that a lot of the things that you're saying all are about that subversiveness. To be in the back of the class and to like the, the, the idea of levitating in the back of the class and yeah. to be subversive. And I think that those of us who are, you know, realizing that at 63 or 57, however old we are, to realize that we are <laughs> everything that led us to this point started with being subversive. Started with saying, you know what, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. Or rather, I want to do that and someone going you can't do that it's like oh, you yep. just seal the deal you fucking just seal the now deal. i am <laughs> definitely gonna do it <laughs> yeah it's it's you know I, I i don't know how many times i've said or thought on my own you know really great comedy and that that is kind of the the foundation of a lot of what's going on in steppenwolf although we didn't really become a you know a farce theater you know or we do musical comedies or anything we did a lot of serious things but when when whenever we weren't saying we're going to mount 
you know, O'Neill's this and Tennessee Williams that, and, the, and we're going to do a new play that's very bizarre and it's going to be disturbing and make the audience vomit or, or go home crying. But offstage, Laurie Metcalf is fucking hilarious. John Malkovich is from another planet. Terry Kinney is certifiably psych psychotic. Gary Sinise is the great kind of person. He is funny at times, but he is a great target for comedy. I love to imitate him thinking that he's, you know, I'm everything, man. It's going to be about me. You know, he's, a, he's our version of... of, uh, of uh, uh, Dennis uh, Hopper, Jack Jack Nicholson, or uh, or the, Dennis Hopper, the, Dennis Hopper in uh, like you know in uh, Apocalypse Now, it's like he's a genius. He's the guy that's writing the rail. Oh, he's like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like you don't know what you're doing. You have no <laughs> yeah. idea what you're doing. It's like he's that kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. except yeah, his 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 pinched voice makes me think of Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. and also, Jack Nicholson can be faster. Uh, well, I mean, he can be slower, and 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 Gary, although he comes from South Holland, Illinois, which is near Chicago, right? He he somehow has a kind of a drawl and a slow tempo to what he says so much. So yeah, but and then we had uh, we had Rick Snyder, who was such a king down at Illinois State University when they when one of the professors down there put him in uh, in our town as the stage manager. They won, I guess, all over the country. The you know the universities, you know, uh, contests of drama, and uh, so then we add him to the company. And uh, over the years, you know, Al does a great. Uh, you got to hear him do Rick Snyder because he. I, I found, figured out, you know, because as George Carlin said, there's a way you take certain words or catchphrases to do impersonations of different yeah. celebrities. Yeah. You know, um, and and with with Rick, he. He unless he's acting a character when he's just himself he, he uh, n n never he, he's got a stammer he never starts a sentence clean and I thought oh good so we got we got Gary Sinise is our Jack Nicholson and and Rick Snyder is our Jimmy Stewart you know that but is it but you also have Jeff Perry who also has a little bit of Jimmy Stewart going on uh, do you think. I, mean, I guess, it's, it's yeah. Same, but but he, he does it in a very different way because Jeff, and there's going to be silence here, Jeff will go, oh, I... Yes. And he... I... It's... A, <laughs> yes. It is Jimmy Stewart. You're right. I never thought of it that way before. It is Jimmy Stewart-esque, but the way I would think of Je <laughs> is Jeff Perry is that it's sort of like, and if they could talk, uh, he would be, it would be right on. But they can't. He's a little bit like a cat, you know. His cat's paying attention to a certain thing, and then they get a they get a signal from another planet, and you, and you think, what is there a bird outside the window? No, there's nothing. But suddenly they're distracted by something, and that's the way Jeff would be. He'd be, ah, oh, Dave. You know, it's really great to say, ah, oh. you know. And it's oh, yeah, like yeah. you got he the looks up you got the laser light here, and your cat's fascinated with the laser light. But then somehow it picked up on. Another wavelength from another world that there's a bird somewhere else I gotta get. But the bird's not there. You can't see it. What did that what's that cat maybe suddenly zoning in it could on? Be a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Yeah, maybe it's they can see the other world, the it's past. It's a ghost. Yeah. It's the, a ghost. the afterlife. Um, so much again, just like like listening to all these people and, and, and you're talking about all these people, talking about Laurie and talking about uh, Rick and talking about like again, I go to the idea of subversive. I go to like yes. that for me is is it, tear down the establishment and 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 here's the thing it, it is tear down the establishment that is it but it's also in i don't know what comes first is it tear down the establishment that comes first or i want to do that that's what i want to do and and if i nobody's ever done it before because they think it's taboo that even even more it's yeah that's it's really more. attractive that's really attractive and it's also this it's like it gets my heart beat up and it's something that i'm going to do in that moment so what's happening at uh, you know when i was at second city and when i was directing at second city there were certain things that i was part of where i'm like that that's that's gone too far. That's gone too far. You know, where I go, that's really? gone too far. And when it's gone too far, I think, i got to check myself at that moment. The moment that if I feel it's gone too far, then I get to do that. And I had a fight with one of the, the, the when I was directing a main stage show on, on, uh, on Wells, the, it was right after 9-11. And they wanted oh. to title the show, No, Seriously, We're All Gonna Die. And I felt like, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. And I fought that. And they're like, uh, and the, the producers went, we love the title. I'm like, the fuck we love the title? And then afterwards, like years later, I went, they were right. 
They were right. They were right. If I'm living this life where that I'm inspired by, by the subversives, mm-hmm. I've got to look at something, and if it jars me right away, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah, but it, uh, it's interesting. That's, that's, a, that's a real conundrum or an endless uh, controversy because I hear comics, especially stand-up people, maybe they've done some improv with groups, ensembles, they will uh, talk about, well, you know, that there's that phrase that everybody now makes fun of um, comics, uh, too soon. What was it Gilbert yeah. Godfrey did not long ago? Yeah, he, and I think it was about 9-11. And uh, he made a joke, and, and they, ah, too soon? And, and, it, and it was. It was horrifying to people. <laughs> exactly. And so it kind of it kind of thudded. And then and then he lost his job. And then he lost, he lost yeah, his job. Yeah, that's right. He was the duck. He was a duck in Aflac. Yeah, he lost his job. Um, <laughs> but i got to say, uh, I, th- I, I think I, I put something online where it was, it was an Abraham Lincoln joke. And oh, yeah. I went too soon. And you know what? Some people went. <laughs> and that's very yeah. funny because it's way after. It, it is. I have a phrase um, where somebody will be doing something in a scene and when I'm directing it, um, uh, or they'll make a choice and I'll go, you know, that, that's as dead as a Kennedy. And that's the, that's the phrase. It's like, that's as dead as a Kennedy. And I went, oh. and people went, people laugh and they went, ooh, and they. And they then do they caught themselves. They, yeah. they, they, they do, like, oh, wait a minute. And I go, now, what's wrong with that? You tell me what's wrong with as dead as a Kennedy. What in that is n- nothing but subversive? It's even passe mm-hmm. to a point. But yeah. there's what within that makes you go, oh, we can't. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, the you, you get enough people together, and there's always going to be a certain number who are really, and they might think of themselves as, oh, I enjoy comedy, but they really don't have the same sense of humor as uh, as we. I'd like to include myself. We makers of comedy. There are people that my mom was like this. She's three quarters German, and she was living living up to the stereotype or down, one quarter Irish, and she and she was a. Um, my dad and I would cut up. My dad was a pretty funny guy. English, um, my the dad's side of the family is English, almost going back to the, well, go, absolutely going back to the rebellion, as the British call it, the re- revolution, maybe the Mayflower. There's a Roger Wilder who came over on the Mayflower. I'm not sure if I'm related to him, but, you know. Hey, it's fun to think. It's fun to, I, yeah, fun to think. I, I'm going to claim him. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, my dad and I, you know, are a little bit maybe connected to the pythons and, you know, some of those great, you know, but, um, but my mom would be, uh, it took her, I think, years and maybe before I came along or maybe after I came along and I, was, I helped it along before she realized that she could laugh, just enjoy laughing at things that my dad really loved to laugh at. And, and uh, but my, the thing that, I, that used to kill me about my mom is she was, she's such a sweet, friendly person, and her friends would call her up on the phone, and she had a, and I love to grab onto this, is when, you know, it's a great character study thing. She'd answer the phone and say, hi! <laughs> so she's a friendly laugher, but it's nothing, and I would, I, from time to time, I would say, mom, what is so funny about hi? <laughs> what is so funny about la- answering the phone? Oh. Stop it. You know, and I think, you know, there's comedy and then there are people who laugh at, there's a microphone here. Oh, you're going to use a microphone? What is so fucking funny about having a microphone? Yes, we agreed on a microphone. You know, friendly laughers. I love that. And it's a real waspy thing, I think. There's something that I'm going back. I tell my students, and this is, it could be the reason that your mom was laughing. I will have two people sit in chairs. And what we'll do is they'll be in duration of shape, in chairs, um, and I'll just have them sit and just be. And immediately one of the uh, actors will most likely start smiling. And I'll go, stop smiling. Nothing this person is doing is making you smile. Why are you smiling? And my, I posit that they're smiling, it's a, it's a, it's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's like I am going to pre, I'm going to do a premeditated smile so that you know I'm friend, not foe. Yes. And that is not dealing with the situation. And I'm not saying that your mom is doing that. That's not dealing with the situation. That's dealing with your mania. That's dealing with you being paranoid that you are about to experience something that's going to affect you in some way, mm-hmm. in a negative way. Might so I'm going to go, I'm kind, I'm nice, here's my feathers, uh, they're pretty, right? Aren't they pretty? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's it a is. beta dog. 
yeah. who will just, and again, I'm not, I'm just saying, it's a beta dog, and a beta dog is not going, a beta dog's gonna go, here's my, here's my belly, here's my belly, you know what I mean? Beta dogs get on their back? Well, beta dogs will immediately, you will look at a beta, if, if you're alpha, if the dog looks at you as alpha, they're gonna take the role as beta, and beta oh. is, hi, I'm fine, uh-huh. I'm playing this part. As opposed to maybe growling, growling or or you know or something, yeah, yeah. or playing the defense, the yeah. defensive one. Yeah. I want to go back to this, and it's very interesting because when I think about you, I uh, 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 for some reason I think of you as being into comedy, but there, but that's just one facet. That's just a facet. So, in shows, I've had people walk out of shows that I've been in. Mm-hmm. I've had people walk out of classes that I've taught oh, because geez. I am. Because I'm, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not gonna fucking hold anything back. Yeah, that must have happened to you, where you're doing a show. Okay, when you think about a show that people will, that people have walked out on, or that people bristle up, uh, bristle against, or you've gotten letters or something. What show was that? I wish I could come up with a specific. Uh, it, well, if you can't, then what's the example? There, I, I've heard. Here's here's one aspect of it. Your the bulk of your performing is the kind of thing that I've always wanted to do, but it's probably more dangerous because it's been developed out of. I mean, sure, it might be scripted at some point, but it's been developed out of improv. When you say you, when you say you, do you mean me, David? You, you, as in yeah, your me experiences and, in, in in Second City kinds of got things. Got it. Got it. You okay, know, fine. improv, improv comedy. Yes. You know, there has to be. Um, there's a. You, you sort of have to get the payoff at some point of laughter. You know, you're making serious, great points, but it's always easier to take it with a spoonful of sugar of, oh my God, yeah, they said that about the the, the, poli- the political say- season or the, the plane crashing into the building or the whatever, but you know, that was damn funny. And it, it just makes the, you know, I mean, that's the thing that from the get-go, my mother didn't have, on her side of the family, didn't have much to say about this. They weren't out and out anti-Semite kind of Germans. They weren't Nazis, certainly. But my, my mom's, uh, had five sisters and a lot of them married uh, rednecks and they had these they were on the edge of saying things well I had particular uh, a couple of uncles who would just regularly use the n-word you know and it was just matter of fact like saying you know we're at a table it wasn't it wasn't you know with some kind of vicious but anyway so so they they leaned towards that sort of there's the other people and then my dad and made me much more sort of embracing and and appreciating the fact that that group of people that tribe as my wife who is Jewish now calls you know she's with my tribe you know when we're identifying different people I think she's one of your people and she'll 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 ostracize wasps and I, and I love it because I'm you know I own it or or I can certainly identify it and, you know Norwegian Christians that I grew up with German and Norwegian Christians they're pretty fucking boring people uh, Lutherans Lutherans or, yeah Lutherans mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so you know, early on, my dad and I recognized, and my grandfather uh, recognized. You know, it's so interesting and so admirable that a people that have been and you even go back before. And I'm crazy about history, so I really filled this out for my dad. A people that have had to so much misery, so much torment and brutalizing i mean even before the holocaust you know for centuries i I read books about the 14th century about you know the the church of the you know i mean even even martin luther would started his protestant reformation but he was still an anti-semite right right you know i mean and this kind of stuff and then and what they what they did was it went way beyond you know uh well i got lemons i'll make lemonade it went way beyond that it's like make the best and the biggest comedy out of People who could e- easily just be miserable, Absolutely. you know, just be grim. And I think, you know, I look at my mom's side of the family, and you're grim, but I mean, geez, you started two world wars. You know, you were looking good there for a while. And, you know, I mean, she didn't own that kind of stuff. But we could, and you know, my dad and I could adjust. I mean, he went over and bombed the Nazis, and then came back and married a German American girl. You know, and then we we have to rib my mom about being, oh come on, mom. You know, it, just because it's not Schadenfreude doesn't mean you can't have a little fun. You know, and this kind of stuff. And it's you know, like, fuck if there's if you can't find almost 
anything to laugh at, then, you know, cash in your chips. Goodbye. I think that's one of the reasons that, that so, many, so many people that I know that I find extremely funny uh, are the Jewish people that I know. Oh, um, yeah. Who have taken on this. I have a friend of mine. She's barbed and sharp and do not get on her bad side. Do not get on her bad side. Don't even get on her good side. Like, forget about it. Um, but she has since... Oh, so, so she opens up... I don't know how, how many plays Patti LuPone's open on Broadway. But yeah. Jackie's open four. She's open four Broadway shows. Wow, and starring she, role. She, 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 was, she opened Hairspray. She opened Hairspray. Oh. She opened Adam's Family. She opened Xanadu. Her understudy in Xanadu was this, her understudy in Xanadu was this woman named Whoopi Goldberg. I don't know, maybe her. Yeah, maybe right? her. That was her understudy. Yeah. And she just did On the Town. So she feels that she'll never fucking work again. She'll go, I'll never work again. I'm She's never going to work. She's got that attitude, yeah. Like, fuck all that. Because after a while, what ends up happening is that becomes your story. Yeah, and it's not. And she's true. not being tongue in cheek about it because I love to be self deprecating, but it's a little bit. You know, I still have a bit of ego there in oh, there somewhere. Oh, oh, Jackie has plenty of ego. Oh, she has a lot of ego. She has a lot of ego. Um, so she's not utterly self defeating. No, she's no, serious. she's not at all. Because, but, that, but that's also part of of her selling of of her voice. That so we go back to the voice. That's part of Jackie's voice. Is Jackie growing up in a very Orthodox Jewish family, mm. a woman with a with a, a woman, a, a woman, an artist. We'll say an artist who was a woman who had a very strong point of view, <coughs> and always expressed it strongly, mm-hmm. and didn't give a fuck what you thought. And people look at that and go, "I'm attracted to that." Yeah, because she's fucking subversive. That's I'm great. attracted to that because she's going to say that stuff. Right. I want to go back to the question of w- was there a show uh, that you oh, yeah, did, yeah. I, <coughs> or I have you ever read that. anything where you go? Uh, and again, uh, it's just it's just a question. Have you ever read anything where you went, oh, I don't know, that's a tough line to give, or that I don't know that I believe that. Yes. Or do you? At a, at a, well, there must be lines. It's got to be. Of course, this is the great thing about theater, where you go, I don't know if I believe that. And yeah. you go, wait, David has no bearing on what I believe. I'm playing this character. Yeah. And the thing is, the character fucking believes that. Yeah. I, I wish I could, you know, it seems like there's something in the play we're doing now, which is about hospitality, uh, uh, you know, the people behind the scenes at hotels. And my, I'm the head of the uh, Can of I just say one thing? Yes. Joe Liss has a degree in hospitality. That's what Joe Liss's degree is in. Joe Liss really? has a degree. He doesn't have a degree in theater. He has a degree in hospitality. <laughs> he he can run a hotel, a motel, or a restaurant. But he, you know, he's one of my favorite people. And it's so funny that you say that because Joe Liss has his background is in hospitality. Oh, that's great. So anyway, anyway, about so this. I wish he would open a hotel and I do just stay there all the time. <laughs> you could stay there I would all just, the time. Yeah. Oh my God. Jess and I would be would love to do that because she has the same <laughs> kind of sense of humor. I mean, she uh, she uh, barely knows him, and she said, "Oh God, she she's been talking about." What if you got some kind of a project together with David Rosofsky and, and, and Joe Liss I would do it. And, and, and Dennis Cockrum? Do you know Dennis Cockrum no. came from Chicago? No. He's a, he's a hilarious guy, too. And he's done, he did a couple of shows with us. But I will back, do that any, in LA. any day, and Joe will do it any day. Well, uh, this is what I'm thinking. Cause this I, is what, I don't know Dennis. Where's Dennis? In L.A.? Yes. Okay. Uh, because you, are you still moving out west? To, to, to New Mexico. To New yeah. Mexico. That's not too far from us. So I think what I would love is a three-hander with you, Liz, and me. Well, yeah. In a you second. Listen you don't me. know Dennis, so I mean, yeah. yeah. We just, well, Dennis, we just too. Start, we just start, start with the three of us. We can start with the three. We, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, are you kidding me? I would love to do that. I would love to do that. You will, we have to put our brains together. And now, how do you, so you keep in touch with Joe on a regular I basis? I keep in touch with Joe. Okay. And, and when I, when I, when I book, when I work in San Francisco, this is a woman, Rachel Hamilton, will book, it'll be Hamilton, Liss, and Rosowski. The three of us do like a 40-minute show, a 45-minute show at, at her space. So I would love that. And for you, if it would be you, Liss, me, uh, you, Liss, Rachel and me, and Rachel is a fine actress and a great, I mean, if you, I gotta, I gotta, oh, my memory is getting so bad. So, Rachel Hamilton. Hamilton. Rachel Hamilton. And she, did you, did you work with her in Second City? I worked with her in Second City. I also work with her teaching. She's one of the, she's a, she's a great teacher. Uh-huh. Um, but she's a, uh, you know, she's just an awesome improviser. And I really, she's one of these great, like, 
we, we talk about the people that we know, and I am constant and from I am constantly blown away by the people that that we know and the people that yeah. I work with. And to look at all that and to think, I get to do this. Yeah. I get to do this. Yeah. Yeah, at times I, I, I get so frustrated given the stature of what some you know, some people in, in our company have done, but then um but then I think, well, Al, you could have a real job that you hated, or about five of them right. that you kept getting out of because you hated each one of them, you know. And they might have even made you more money, but you really, really wanted to kill people or take your own life. I, I think about, I think about because I, I uh, the people that I know, you know, Carell and Colbert. Yeah, you know them. See, I, I know I, them. I, I'm so envious that you would. But here's the thing. If I look at, well, uh, envy, uh, I know you, you mean this in this way, but... I, I, some people go, oh, Colbert, man, I would love to have his career. Here's the thing. If you have his career, and I think I mentioned on the podcast before, if you have his career, then you also have to take his life as well. You have to take on everything that brought him to who it is that he is right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're going to say, I, I want guess. his career. Yeah. His father and two of his brothers were killed in a plane crash. Did I hear that one time? I heard there was some tragedy. Maybe just found... I don't remember all three of them. I think either one or, like, it, for me, it was either yes, his dad and a brother something or like something that. like that. Yeah. And I look at that and I go, you like, you like your dad? Yeah. You like, you like yeah. your dad? Because it's not like he made a deal for that to happen, but that which brought Stephen Colbert to being Stephen Colbert has that bit in it. Yeah. Has that, has that ingredients in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we, the result of, of people is that there's there's got to be some some ugliness back there somewhere. Well, yeah, but to isn't be, that but also what makes false. us want to do the work that we're doing for us to face those things and to say, I am going to face those things. I am, and for me, what's happening politically right now is we. I am watching a man running for president who doesn't know what it means to surrender. Letting go of that which no longer serves you, who doesn't know what it means to forgive, and who doesn't know what it means to be grateful. And to look at it and go, yeah. oh my God, yeah. you are relentlessly, you are relentless in your point of view. If, if it wasn't so frightening, it would be, it's moving. Moving, really. It's moving in a way where I'm going, I cannot believe how intransigent you are, you are but I also can't believe how I also can't believe that you're really holding on to this point of view. That that yeah. you are you are really holding on to this thing. Yeah. And I moved in a way where I'm going, wow, if if it wasn't so scary, it would really be quite awesome to see somebody up there yeah. saying something like that's not so fascistic fascistic, right? Not that's not so demagogic and fascistic to be up there if they were spouting love and you know, spouting love yeah. in, in that un un uh, unmoving way, right. uh, spouting forgiveness, understanding, acceptance, all that in a way. If it was all good and not and not it, demagogic, we yeah. would go, "Oh, that fucker, man! Oh, him! Look at him!" And people are looking at him, yeah, in that way, yeah. But for like, oh my god, what's happening? Right? How can right. you believe that? It, yeah, the 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 ego and and his. I mean, he's he's. Uh, I don't know if you ever see. Uh, um, uh, Bill Maher's show, and he had, uh, and so many times, the, the last time I think he had um, Rob Reiner on there, and Rob Reiner just sat there, and other people were out saying a lot of different things about the election, and this, that, and that, and you know, and, and uh, Bernie Sanders, oh, he's not in the, you know, and and maybe other issues besides politics, <laughs> and whenever it landed on Trump, Rob Reiner just kept saying, well, he's psychotic, he's psychotic, you know, he's psychotic, he's paranoid, he's schizophrenic, he's psychotic. You know, and I thought, yeah, it's just, you know, we like little simple little labels and generalizations, and he's pretty fucking easy to nail. i got to tell you, know? you, Alan, it seems to me that you start out saying, I think he's psychotic. You started going, well, that's all right. And then you started going, oh, that's not all right. And then you start thinking, that's kind of psychotic. And then you start thinking, that's psychotic. And then you start thinking, he's psychotic. And then and then all that that brought you to that space that you were questioning about at that moment suddenly become clear. Yeah. Because I don't start out going, you're psychotic. I will start out going, wait, you really believe that? Yeah. What, the, what is really, I mean, yeah, like some of those, so many of those things you say, if somebody, if people had good things that they were going after as aggressively as he is going after vile things, 
it would be, yeah, it would be quite a thing, and nobody seems to. But but then also, I just what's really mind-boggling and horrifying about him is, is you just can't. He, he contradicts himself constantly. You don't know where he's. I mean, not only does he not have policies and not have ways of governing. I love the 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 people that run in the GOP are constantly anti. They're going for a political office, only anti-government. If we could just have less government, you're running for a fucking government office. Exactly. Why do you keep talking about less government? Yeah. Do you mad? Can you imagine how we'd be poisoned and how the earth would be just a smoldering cinder if we didn't have, you know, the DEA and the EPA and the this and that and the other thing to stop you motherfuckers from, and still we're not doing enough, you know, and so you're gonna, you know, oh, okay, if we could just get, because government, the, the corporations do things so nicely, you know. Every 15 years, you know, or so we have to have a depression or a recession or, a, or a, you know, upside down, or or, or an oil spill or oil a spill. gas leak or yeah. something like that. Oh gosh, we're sorry about that. Yeah, we're trying to clean it up with worse stuff <laughs> than exactly. the boil was to begin exactly, with. Exactly, exactly. And and and, uh, and what's happening now? It's just so interesting to me. Is this? Uh, I don't know if you saw Michelle Obama speaking in uh, New Hampshire. Today it was very today moving. no it was very moving it was really oh, beautiful yeah. and moving and she was eloquent and beautiful and strong and it was just it was it was produced by I think it was produced by the Hillary campaign but a little logo on the right corner and mm -hmm. they kept showing women holding on to babies and people signs saying I'm like togetherness and all that stuff and to look at her and to watch Michelle Obama maybe half an hour speech that she gave. Where she was eloquent and pointed and, and certain and moved and she was mad and she was passionate. And to look at that and say, look at all the time that we're spending on that cocksucker. Look at that. Some some people, and it seems like there are way too many, but then... I'm, I'm talking about Michelle Obama. Well, no, I mean, yeah, the, the, the people that are spending time on, on Trump, you mean, yeah. Look at I'm, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, Michelle spending time on Trump. Yes. Oh, oh, that she's spending what time I'm saying. on him. Like, right, yeah. like instead of so much saying what we are going to accomplish, right. we're saying what we don't want to have. Yes. And in the work that I do, I hear students say, um, and when I ask them, uh, what did you get from the day? They'll say, uh, one of the things that they'll say is, um, I got that I, sh that I shouldn't be in my head. I was like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. That's a shouldn't. I can't do a knot, right? Mm -hmm. I can't perform a knot. Mm -hmm. Tell me what I can do. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if the note is, I shouldn't be in my head, what's the, what's the do that you can hold on to? What's the, what's the note that you can give yourself? And the note right. is, be in my heart. Monitor my heart. Monitor my breathing. Monitor what's happening. Right. And be present with that. So Michelle is screaming, I don't want my children to, and I get it. I totally get it. I'm on, yeah. I'm with her. Um, I am streaming like I don't want my children to see what this man is spouting. I don't want to live in a land that has bigots and xenophobes and all that so racist. I don't want to live in a land where people don't know how to treat another human being. It's like look at all the time we're spending on that. Yeah, yeah, on the negative. On on let's try to avoid this rather than have a goal, an objective, a thing to go for. Yeah, but but that's what that's how the world's been turned upside down by people like him. You know, is d trying to avoid a whole lot of potholes. You know, holes straight to Satan. You know, instead of <laughs> instead of doing, can I build something here? No, there are a bunch of holes, and I'll fall through to Satan. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, but what it also is happening it is it opens us up into a conversation. Yeah, and I also uh, I saw life sucks. At Looking Glass. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's a play at Looking Glass. Right. Uh, I saw that last night. And oh. it opens up a conversation. That sort of thing, talking about what's our, it's essentially Uncle Vanya. So talking oh, about, okay. uh, you know, what's my value, what's my worth, what's, what's it mean to be alive, and to express yourself, and to know, to express yourself full, you know, uh, just to say it and to spew it with all warts and everything like that. And in that expression, there's something really positive about that. Yeah. About hearing that. Yeah. So you enjoyed it. It was good. I really liked it. Yeah. Who was I really in it? liked it. Pardon? Who was in it? Um, uh, Eddie Jemison, uh, who's, you know, these are looking glass people. Yeah. Eddie Jemison, um, this guy Jim Ortlieb. Do you know Jim? Oh, Jim. Yes, yeah, Jim's well. in it. Yeah. Jim's yeah. in it. Jim's in it. Great. And uh, Jim's great. And Jim yeah. has this existential 
uh, this existential epiphany in it that is so eloquent and just beautiful, just really beautiful. Uh huh. Uh, but I go to see theater to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to see theater to see your fucking little dumbass puppet show. <laughs> oh, I've seen some good dumbass. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of going into puppet theater, Dave. Uh, I, don't know. I guess well, maybe I'll about, rethink that. But the thing is, no, I, well, you can do it. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But I, I wouldn't go into dumbass puppet theater. I no, wouldn't not go dumbass. dumbass puppet theater because yeah. it's already been done. Yeah, it's I've, already been done. And I've done the dumbass Steppenwolf thing, so I'm right? ready to move on. Right. No, but um, yeah, I don't. It's theater for. You know, I mean, God, I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm cross-referencing to, uh, in the 70s, when I hadn't even changed my major, I hadn't really made a decision about a formalizing my being a class clown idiot, being a mimic, being able to, you know, fake languages and do accents and, 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 uh, and do physical comedy, but just on a small scale, just to impress the girl across the aisle, and whatever. Um, I... I was hearing, you know, 70s, you know, oh, theater's dead, you know, because, oh, you know, film is everything. And TV, we got TV, everybody's got TV. Then it's going to be cable TV, and at first they were fearful of that, you know, the TV networks, you know. Um, and I thought, geez, and we're still here, yeah, it's still happening. <coughs> theater's still you, here. Still, theater's still here mm -hmm. in, in lots of different forms, but still you think, um, what, and now we have everybody staring at a smartphone, mm -hmm. I mean, what, how are we going to keep alive the place, like you're saying, where people are going to have those unique experiences and thoughts and, and the, the feelings that come out in the type of literature, even a kind of a crappy play written by some new person who's kind of young and naive, but have, has a couple of notions, and isn't the corporate formula on a you know, network drama, a body bag drama, there's so many of those, and the, or the, the sitcom where every third line is a laugh, although it's usually horribly not funny. Um, and, you know, the, where we really examine ourselves and, and you get some smart people saying some things that should uh, shake us up, you know. Uh, now for the 89th time or more, I'm, I'm worried a bit about uh, will we still have live theater where there's a relationship between the audience and, and the people on stage and the people on stage will have a unique experience every time they do it even though they've rehearsed the same show and they've done 20 performances or 50 oh my god at least hundreds um, and uh, but you know each one is unique and it right. just floats out there and, and, and you know that uh, I don't know with, with now everything's got to be is got to be electronic. We'll have dr cars that drive itself and really realistic. Uh, I'll have a female robot for a wife. Yeah, virtual reality now. Virtual is huge. reality. Virtual reality. Oh God, is huge. that'll give me so many seizures. Oh my God, I don't know if you've ever done that. No, one of those things. No, I wouldn't head. go near that. Thing. Oh my God, it is. It's. 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 It, you've tried that. Oh, I did it once. I did it once. It was like, I don't know what's happening right now. What's happening? What's happening? I We're running out of time, but I just love this conversation. And this you hit on something where you're like, when you were yeah, saying. Yeah, and we've flown in a million directions. But that's but it's it's great. It's, it's called ADD, it's so we get to go all over the place. Um, <laughs> we give ourselves permission to do that. So it's. It, like when you were talking about, you know, you're, you're, you're still not sure of what your, your major was and you're doing all those things and you haven't committed to it. And yet, <laughs> so then what happens is you get into a, you, you, are, you are a seminal part of this organization, this theater, that changes the fucking shape of theater throughout the world. And I, I excuse me if I'm being hyperbolic, but you understand why to be part of that and to go, you guys fucking, fucking shook up the tree. And every, and I remember when you were on Holstead and I remember seeing, uh, oh, what was it, Albert Finney. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, well, we, what's his name? The first thing we did across, across yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, what was it, uh, uh, Hostage yeah. or the, the, uh, uh, the, yeah. the something, Terry Kinney and, and, and Albert Finney. Exactly, were and, and watch that and go, what, I don't know what's going on. And not yeah. even to talk about um, Balm and Gilead. You know, and saying, 
where you look at theater and you go, I don't know what's happening here. When I saw it at the, uh, what's that theater on Lincoln that you all did it at? Uh, you did a couple oh, uh, places. We were, at, uh, we were at the Hull House at Broadway in Belmont. But there was also, you did it somewhere else. I saw, I saw that show. Oh, oh, that's uh, right, uh, Apollo Theater. Apollo Theater, I right, saw it at right. the Apollo. I saw it at the Apollo and I'm going, I have no idea what the fuck's going on, but I know I just came back from, I have a degree in photojournalism. I just came back from college um, having given up theater for two or three years while I was in college, mm. and I went and saw that, and I go, something the fuck is happening right now, and I am in the middle of it, and I cannot not be a part of this. And while all that was going on, at, while y'all were at the Apollo, what was also happening at that time, because that was 83, 84, 85, something 80, like that. Yeah, yeah. 83, but then maybe, 83, yeah. so it was 83. <clears throat> Del Close and Sharna Halpern were doing Improv Olympic out on uh, at Belmont and Wilton, and they were starting this thing, and it was brand new, and and people were coming from all over the world to do this. Going, I don't know what's going on, but it was this hotbed that just fucking reinvigorated, that reignited theater and the creative process, and this fucking city that we love to live, that we're living in, I don't live here right now, but uh, the city that we're living in that is just blowing people's minds and making people look at things in different ways and do their, and to give themselves permission to do something quite fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. And you were at the, you, I don't, I don't know if you think about this, and I understand if you don't, you guys were a major fucking part of that in this city that then spread all over the fucking world. Yeah, when, when that was taken to, and I, and I wasn't in it when it was taken to New York, it was a collaboration with Circle Rep, but um, my wife said, I saw, I saw Bob McGillie, you guys took to, to New York several times, because she was out there studying ballet, jazz, modern dance, and then starting to move into taking an acting class with uh, Ann Wedgworth's husband. Um, and, uh, and she said, oh my God, I saw, that. I saw or Orphans several times. Orphan. And, Orphans. Orphans. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 she said, uh, uh, "Well, I'm sick of New York, but then also, um, I saw these guys." And she would bring people to it, you know, and you know, practically dragging people off the street. You got to see the Steppenwolf Company. They're like, you know, the the Midwest theatrical version of the Bruce Springsteen, and we use Bruce Springsteen in the play. I know, but you yeah. know, we're we're you know, they're like the the Bruce Springsteen of the Midwest in in theater, and they're you know, they're rock stars. They're they're uh, they're dangerous. They're uh, they're working subversive. class heroes. We're, they're subversive, yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one more thing about that. Uh, there was so many things that that struck me as we were talking, and but it, but it's great. It's great to go to go to get energized and and fly. And I and I think you kept coming back to it, and I don't think I ever quite answered your question about a, a moment that really stands out as being. Um, a big turning point or a big uh, a high point or, or low point. In, or in your life where you went, seminal, that's what yeah. I want to do, or the seminal moment where you went, because there were a couple of things where I was Yeah, like, there were a couple of them. There was one that I was going, was there a moment where you went and where you looked at the script and went, oh, we can't do that. There was that Oh, moment, that's right, right, that one. And there was also another moment where uh, it was, I think we kind of hit that, was the idea of where you went, oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, it's the Anchonette yeah. moment. And um, there and there were a few of them because there's no... Thing where you know a wrecking ball like you know, like a Monty Python bit came swinging in and knocked my head off, in in terms of changing and I really wanted to do that. Um, it was a gradual thing of you know being class clown and and like we started at the very beginning. You said living, being by yourself, traveling by yourself, spending time with yourself. It sounds like a lonely thing or something kind of neurotic or something not not normal mentally about that. But I mean, I loved sitting in my imagination. If I didn't have friends to play with and go and do things with, I loved spending time in my head and imagining things and thinking, did I have a dream about something? What if that dream expanded into another kind of story? And I would talk to myself and I would spend a lot of time. I, I would go places and with, uh, with see great aunts or co distant cousins or something like that. And uh, when I was pretty young, and my uh, and they would say these ladies would say to my mom, "Wait, Alan is so cool." Now, usually when they're we have little boys coming around and playing, they're they're so loud and they're they're making a lot of you know they're they're doing things, they're getting into trouble, they're knocking over a thing and spilling this. And Alan's so quiet because I bring my Matchbox cars, the beginning of Match from England, and I just create all little scenarios. I'd create a James Bond chase, and I and all <laughs> these little things. He's so quiet, Alan, and. You know, so I, that spending time with yourself and, and using your imagination was, uh, 
that was kind of an important thing in my early development of of wanting to be an actor but isn't it, it it's sort of like an existential experience yeah. Where for me, I feel like, and it's not existential angst, it's an existential experience. It's those experiences that you have where you go, I'm existing in this. Yeah. I'm, I'm existing. And it also seems that no matter what part you have, your character is having an existential experience in the middle of everybody else's existential experiences. And yeah. we're throwing all that together. And that is where, that's the dynamo. That's the boiler room. That's the thing that we're watching yeah. is that existential all these dynamics coming at each other of everybody existing in this world so when yeah. I'm existing by myself being inspired by Eugene Ormandy or being inspired by uh, Odetta or being inspired by all these great pieces of music while I'm being grounded yeah I'm going I'm still I'm still you know there is no prison yeah I don't need anybody yeah yeah I hadn't thought of it that way but yeah I think I I felt that without without it being articulated for me that uh, you get in touch with yourself. It's, it's, I guess it's sort of like the the Eastern philosophies in in, in you know uh, you know Buddhist Zen Buddhism and things like that. You know, getting examining inside yourself, but then seeing uh, seeing the humanity in other people by spending some time you know quality time with yourself. Which always just sounds like masturbating. <laughs> Sex with one, someone quality, you love, as we said. Which is quality time with yourself. Um, let's end there. Thank you so much. Oh man, I wish it. I wish I had done more justice to the. You did fine. Whole. If you can't find anything to laugh at, cash in your chips. Goodbye. Thanks for the reminder, Alan Wilder. Thanks for the interview as well. That was really fun. Okay, my workshop comings and goings. I'll be with Gary Austin, Michael Gelman, and Scotty Watson at AND's performance, that's with the number four in the middle there, in New York City, November 10th through the 13th. November 19th through the 20th, I'll be in Edinburgh, Scotland. November 22nd and 23rd, two workshops at the nursery in London, England. And as always, eye acting, my online classes. If you live somewhere, chances are I'll be teaching there. Check us out at davidrozowski.com. ADD Comedy with Dave Rozowski is produced by Laura Parker and me. Like our show? Give us some love on iTunes, won't you? Send questions and comments to dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and will you, will hear you in our ears if I can get my mouth working? <laughs>